What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, blue Kool-Aid drinkers. It's almost the end of May here, which means June is right around the corner and football's getting closer to coming back. This week on the pod, Darius Slay and Snacks, are they holding out? And what's their value in the league? Kind of how we see that. Then we break down the defensive backs. Uh, we talk about them a little more at length. And then we talk about the offensive philosophy as well. Um, we're just really excited about the season coming up. Mandatory training camp's coming up soon. And we'll have a little more answers found out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. And now time for the pod. This is Drinking the Blue Kool-Aid, a Detroit Lions podcast, where lifelong Lions fans, UJ, Rug Dog, Bob, Connor, and I'm your host, Big Z, to talk about your favorite team, the Detroit Lions, where victory isn't just talked about, it's earned. One pride. Let's get this podcast rolling. All right, Blue Kool-Aid drinkers, it's the end of May here. And it's Big Z and then Rudd Dog here what tonight. Up? And we're going to, of course, talk about our favorite team, the Detroit Lions, <laughs> as we always do. This is drinking the blue Kool-Aid after all. Um, Rudd Dog, how was your Memorial Day? Fantastic, Big Z. Fantastic. Got to go uh, see a lot of families out celebrating the Ridge Run, local tradition here, 5K, 10K race, as you know. Oh, yeah. You ran into yourself. Yeah, we had a... Uh, a lot of bad weather here in Chicago. Not as bad as um, necessarily in Ohio or um, Oklahoma. There's bad weather over the Midwest, yeah, but and I don't think Mich- I don't think Michigan got anything too bad. But anyways, um, we're here to talk about the Detroit Lions, and there's a bunch of storylines to talk about. But the one that takes um, first precedence is the possible holdout of Darius Slay and Snacks Harrison. I don't like it. Um. Do you, well, first of all, do you think they're actually going to do it? So both guys have two years left on their contract. Um, Slay has two more two more years, and Harrison has two more years, and that includes the upcoming season. Um, Darius Slay is two years into his four-year contract. That was $48 uh, million extension in 2016. He is due $12 million in base salary this year and has a roster bonus of 234000 
I need more context because how what's he asking for? I don't know. Well, he's the twelfth highest paid cornerback in the league, and I think he thinks he deserves a longer extension with more money to get him at least in a top ten. And that kind of leads me to my question. We'll get on the snacks. Um, after let's talk Darius Slay first. Do you think Darius Slay? Where, where do you think he ranks in in terms of cornerbacks in the league? Good list. Um, I'd say he's top ten, easy. Um. Is he top five? Some days. Uh, <laughs> I'd say he's pretty close. I don't – honestly, I don't know. Name me five better cornerbacks. Um, well, a lot of good ones out there, but – what I mean, what did he do? He was pretty good this year, but he wasn't perfect. Well, the top cornerback – and I, I, I would think Darius Slay is better than this guy, and he just got a massive contract from the Dolphins – of $75 million over five years is Xavier Howard on the Dolphins. If he, and he, that just made him the highest paid cornerback in the league as well. Number two is Josh Norman. Oh my God. Who's Number three is Trumaine Johnson. Who do you have to sleep with to get that contract? <laughs> um, number four is Xavier Rhodes, who has had a lot of issues with the Vikings. And I know the Vikings are looking to get rid of him possibly. And then the fifth one is Patrick Peterson, who just got suspended for six games. Then there's Kyle Fuller on the Bears. So then better than him. Desmond Trufant, who I would argue is a very good cornerback. Um, A.J. Bouye, also a very good cornerback from the Jaguars. Stephon Gilmore, excellent cornerback for the Patriots. Yeah, well, Janoris Jenkins, he's pretty good, although he's getting up there in age. Malcolm Butler, <laughs> got benched in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Slay's better than all these Five guys. Five Matt Patricia. And then there's Darius Slay. Slay, so number we, one. Uh, when you look at that list, um, Darius Slay might be a top five cornerback. I just no, listed all I the guys that are getting paid more than him right now, and he might have a legitimate case of getting paid more by the Lions. But he has two years left on his contract. You don't sign a four-year contract and no, ask for uh, extension. Two, yeah, I don't like I don't like when players do that, and I hope he doesn't do it because I don't think it it breeds good like will in the locker room and things like that. I feel like it creates unneeded tensions. I, I will he do it? Won't I have no idea, but I hope he doesn't. I hope neither of them do. I, hope, I if anything, it'd be good if they can renegotiate their contracts and then stay longer. You know, get them for a longer contract, spread some of that dough out over you know five years or something. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these players now are actually looking for guaranteed contracts. That's the big thing these these days in the NFL. Who was it? The Vikings that screwed everyone over with that? Well, well, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, three years, thirty million, all guaranteed, or th- three years, ninety million, all guaranteed to Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's insane. That is insane. They, they messed up the system. They should. That was like a, that should have been like a a major faux pas that you don't do. Although we we see it happening more and more in the league, where more guaranteed money is being paid to the players. Uh, well, I know, but like that's like it's good that the players. It was happening before Kirk Cousins, but Kirk Cousins took it to an extreme. Well, no, yeah, I've never seen anyone get all of it guaranteed. Yeah, like, that's insane. He could he could play, uh, he could play like the worst quarter quarterback in the league, and it doesn't matter. He's going to get ninety million dollars. He could break his leg tomorrow and retire with ninety million dollars. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, but anyway, that's like I don't know. The market used to be a little bit self-regulated there, but now they kind of. Just got a little too antsy there, if you ask me. Yeah, Darius Slay has $23 million guaranteed on his contract of $48 million. So less than half his contract is guaranteed. 
And then you look at a guy like Xavier Howard, the guy I just mentioned, he has $46 million guaranteed of that $75 million. Xavier Howard is a good player. I'm not you know, going to bash him here necessarily, but I just don't think he's worth the highest paid corner in the league. He is 26 years old, and that's the best thing he's going for him. So what do you think? <laughs> I, I think Darius Slade does not have much to stand on until next year. And I think the Lions would be smart if Darius Slay decides to hold out for some reason um, to not, not pay him, obviously. Now, players can be fined $14,000 for missing the first day, $28,150 the second day, and 42215 for the third day. And then it, it just uh, keeps going. I don't like talking about holding out and negative stuff. But this is like yeah, this week no. hype time. Let's get back <laughs> to like football. This is this is bumming me out just listening to it. Well, we're talking about Darius Slay and yeah. how much he, he's worth. We, we're, we're, we're putting out hypotheticals of like doomsday. If like he starts holding out or snacks starts right. holding out, that's like, oh, just our top two players on defense. I don't want to think that way. They're going to figure it out. And get to the season and play some good football. That's what I want to see. Well, let's just talk about Snacks for a moment. I just had to bring him up because he, he has a base salary of $6.75 million this season and $9 million in 2020. That, does that, that seems like a little underpaid for a guy that, I mean, he's he's elite at that defensive tackle. He is elite. Especially, the, I think he's the best run stuffer in the league. That's the question, though. Does a, a non, you know, pass rusher get – well, I don't know what that market is. I mean, I know yeah. he's the best at it, or if you know, one of if not the best. But does that position get that kind of money in the league? Do you have a comparison of any kind of other nose tackle types? Um, I'm trying to think of who is like a biggest run stuffer in the league next to Damon Harrison. And that might, I mean, that also could be just a basically a a bogus line of reasoning anyway, because really, it's how important is he to us? Yeah, and I mean, uh, so the Dominican Suda signed a one-year contract for $9 million, and I think he's more of a run-stuffer these days than a pass rusher. And uh, you think Snacks is better? I do think Snacks is better, actually, at this point in his career. He's a stud. But when Sue wants to turn it on, like we saw in the playoffs this year, he can be an, another worldly animal. He's but I think he's at the point in his career where he picks his spots. I think uh, Snacks is just a little more consistent overall. Isn't he a bit younger? And again, props to Bob Quinn for getting snacks for absolutely nothing. <laughs> what a deal in the middle of the season like that has just come away with a top-notch player. It's unbelievable. Like hardly any capital. Yes, I mean, so that's the big. I mean, that's the big story going on right now, and this is also the off season where we look for Sounds any sort of storyline. Like so. literally, like forged from nothing. Like, oh, <laughs> snacks and Slay are interested in new contracts. Oh my God, they're going to be holding out. The season's over. <laughs> And again, this is just all speculation because they even had they haven't even had mandatory minicamp yet, where they actually had to show up. Because these are veteran guys who've been around the league a long and time. And even if they wanted a contract, it wouldn't matter if they went to volu- voluntary practices yeah. or not. They would probably still do that if they weren't doing it for another reason. Yeah. So I mean, again, it's just something to talk about and kind of like the the players that we love on the Detroit Lions defense and kind of what their worth is around the, around the league more is the conversation I wanted to have. Mm. And just I I think Darius Slay when oh, you look I, at all that cor- those cornerbacks I listed worth. he might be a top five cornerback they're and both like, top notch worth I mean they're both elite yeah. players at their position and they make a huge difference on the defense so I mean they're in that realm I don't know how to like totally but I can see top five for both of them really 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't call Snacks a top five pass rusher by any means. No, but that's not his role. He's definitely, I I think, the best run sufferer in the entire league. So that definitely helps put him up he, there. He collapses the pocket a bit during pass rush, though. He's not like a. He's not going to be the guy that gets there, but he's still a, a load. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's not ideally to put on there in the pass rushing downs. That's for sure. And according to OverTheCap.com, uh, Snacks is the 11th highest paid 4-3 defensive tackle in the league. Aaron Donald would be a 3-4 type. He's the 11th highest paid 4-3 defensive tackle. Yes. Can you guess who number one is right now? Uh, Aaron Donald. He plays for a former head coach of the Lions. Not Aaron Donald? No. He, he's a 3-4 defense tackle. Fletcher Cox. He makes uh, hundred. He has makes $102 million. Pretty good, but yeah, he's a more dynamic, like type player than he's a you know direct impact player. Puts the flashy stats up. Oh yeah, for sure. So I mean, I don't think that makes snacks any less important, but it's it's gonna affect his pay scale. Like he he is like crucial to making this all defense tick and stuff, but it's pay scale wise. Yeah, probably. Actually, 11th seems about right. And um, it's just fun to mention. Yeah, just since I'm on here, of how much guaranteed money Aaron Donald got, and it's it's 86 million (laughs) dollars. Who are the guys ahead? Who are the guys ahead of of uh, snacks on the list? Okay, so Fletcher Cox, number one. Then Geno Atkins, who's been a consistently good player for a long time. Yeah, he is. Um, Kawan Short. From the Panthers, Grady Jarrett on the Falcons. Grady Jarrett's a pretty good player. Um, Marcel Darius on the Jaguars, also a pretty good player. Uh, Lionel Joseph from the Vikings. Sheldon Richardson, on the who's now in the Browns. Star Latule. Snacks, Snacks is better than him. That's, that's the first one I heard that I'm like, yeah, easy, because he's, he's just nose tackle. Yeah, uh, Malik Jackson, Don Terry Poe, and then Snacks. I can see him deserving to move up a uh, like a slot or two in that category, but you notice all the top like like seven or eight are just like three techniques who are, you know, they get blast through the line. Though I think Darius is a little bit bigger, isn't he? I don't, actually not. I don't um, I don't have the size in front of me. But I'm just saying, like those are all like the type of they're like penetrators and stuff. They're they're guys that get after the quarterback. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that's why I say he could. I could see him deserving to move up a slot or two, pay rate wise there. Yeah, and I just cannot wait to see Trey Flowers and Snacks on the defensive line together this season. Oh my God, those two are gonna be a shit brick house. And then Ashawn Robinson, hopefully returning in the top form as he showed he can play at last year. It's it's really exciting. I'm excited to see what Aquara brings. I mean. There's a lot to be excited about that defense. And there's something else to be excited about, I think. This kind of leads me on to my next topic I wanted to just discuss on a little bit. And this is Talani and the role that he can play in helping Gerard, da- uh, Gerard Davis. Jelani. Jelani. Talani. Talani. Um, He's going to take on the role, I think, that the Lions initially – wanted Gerard Davis to, but I think after last year seeing him play 
or rush the passer so well. I think it's I think this season it's gonna Davis is gonna be even more free to rush the passer while Talani takes on more of the responsibilities in both field, especially on the run. I mean that is the popular theory going around, and basically what the coaches are hinting at anyway is like the idea that this frees him up. I mean I think they're still gonna kind of try to keep him on the progression arc that he's on right now. Like yes. He's really good at rushing the passer, and maybe we, they'll lean a few extra snaps into him doing that. But uh, I still think they want him to be an all-around linebacker, and they think he has the ability to be that. So I, I think, you know, yes, it's good to have a guy like Talani next, Talani, 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 uh next to him because of their skill sets, though. So I mean, yeah, I mean. Whether or not it works is really just depending on how to how good Tavai is if he can take on those blocks. I don't know if you, you get a, a body type automatically guarantee, automatically guarantees you're going to go into the NFL. No, of course not. Of course not. So I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, it, in theory, it, it sounds good. I just like the prospect of being a little more unpredictable on defense. I think that gives him more flexibility, well, which is what the Lions. Preach. I agree, Especially but if you look at Tavai, he's not like just like a, a run stuffer. He's a pass rusher off the edge, and like he's uh, he's good in zone college and stuff. He, I mean, this guy is a dynamic linebacker. I don't see him being just some like uh, oh, I'm gonna go take on the block so Jerry Davis can run free. I think they'll feed off each other and set each other up. Yeah, for sure. I I I think he's a, a richer version of Christian Jones at the line. I think the Lions are hoping for more out of Christian Jones. I don't know if he – do you think Christian Jones makes the roster? Wait, who we got? So we got Kennard, Davis, Tavai, Jones. Who am I missing? I mean – I'm pulling up right here to confirm. Reeves Mabin. Yeah, Reeves Mabin. Um, Garrett Dooley is on the roster currently. Steve Longo is on IR last year. We have Trey Lamar and Anthony Pittman. So, I mean, some of those I are Trey, I, think, I, thought, I heard Trey Lamar got released. He Maybe he was. I, this is just not updated roster. That was who we were. I highlighted him when we were talking talking about uh, undrafted free agents, and he got cut before he even made it to camp. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, good point. Good point. Um, uh, Man. I do, well, while we're on linebackers listening off that, do you think Jalen Reeves Maven makes the roster this year? He's a, he played, I think, more than eighty percent of the special team snaps last year, I believe I read. I think if he makes like at least some progress this offseason, he's a good chance. Just like you said, because of special teams. But I also think he has a dynamic skill set that if he can adjust it to the NFL game could be very useful. That mid sized linebacker that's almost like a strong safety who can do give you some more versatility in the box. I mean, because then you can roll out packages with like almost like six defensive backs with him as one of the linebackers and things like that. You know, like he just gives you a different type of person. He's almost like kill a brew, but slightly slanted more towards the linebacker side of the spectrum. Yeah, I like, I mean, I personally think he's still a better fit in the uh, 4-3 defense that he was drafted to fit into originally. I don't. I mean, yeah, I guess, but that's sort of like, uh, I guess as a full-time starter, yeah, I agree. He he doesn't fit this scheme, but like as 
a defense that wants to be adaptable to literally any situation and play any type of game they feel like based on what they see from the opponent, I think he's the kind of guy who could be that melding of two worlds and gives you versatility. So that's what I, I mean. Potentially, same with Killebrew. Both of them, they might be competing for basically the same spot. On that's the true. Defense. I mean, they're a little too big to be good glue guys on as defensive backs, but a little too man Killebrew. Right? Slow to be. I just, I'm expecting a little more out of him for some reason. It seems like this is the perfect defense for him to fit into. Actually, it, with all it the looks flexibility, like they got away from what he was succeeding at the year before. Where like he, they're using him in that sort of like jackrabbit role where he yeah. could, like hop around in the box and come down and reinforce or drop into coverage, like just kind of be like a kind of like a honey badger, Tyron yeah, Matthews, honey badger, or like how they use uh, was it Rod Woodson and the Packers back in the day? Remember? Yeah, like that was like not that was, we're comparing Miles Kirby to Rod Woodson, but no, <laughs> but like just as the way he lost used. his as he lost his speed. And he lost a step on defense. They took him out of his lockdown corner spot, and he played that like yeah that freelancer that just went all over the place making plays. But if, actually, I don't know. I, that almost seems more like you'd want like Diggs to do that. Yeah, well, I think part of that is because Killebrew is a better like zone defender, like some guy that like can read and react. And um, the Lions and their uh, defensive backs at least under Matt Patricia and play kind of the man. Patriot way. Yeah, exactly. They like to play more man. So I don't know. I I think that's kind of uh, the the downside in this defense for him and maybe why he wasn't used necessarily as much. That's, I mean, that still seems like a bit of a cop-out because, like, that means they're just not tailoring things to him at all or they don't see a reason to, I guess. I, but I feel like if you're the kind of guy that's showing the right kind of potential, they tailor things to you. Like, yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, that's a good point reason. because the Patriots like to, uh, you know, get guys that are good at one thing and try to, uh, you know, fully right. get them to do that one thing really well for them. Well, and well, two years ago, wasn't it that he was just like shutting down like every third down long play or something like that? Was that him? Who kept showing up uh, like on third down? I can't quite stops. say, but I know two years ago he was definitely uh, was that I, a lot more visible on the defense. I think it was him. Like it was like where are the killers is like getting there on third downs all the time making plays. Yeah, like we need more of that. And maybe he's just a third down specialist. Who knows? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I mean, I agree. I agree. I I it will be an interesting off season for Killebrew and the and yeah. the and training camp and see how he's utilized this like, year. Like I said, I, the think, roster. I think him and May Maven are kind of very much in a similar fighting for the same spot. That's fair. Like uh, they're both on that hybrid type player that doesn't quite fit fully into either world. And arguably, um, Killebrew might have a harder time just because I think there's more defensive backs. Uh, well, we have a top top line uh, defensive backs. Yeah, well, let's talk about our defensive backfield real quick. So yeah. we got Slay at one corner, and mm-hmm. then hopefully the other corner is who? Like, uh, well, Justin Coleman is the uh, yeah. They say first it seems option. like they might be bringing him for outside because everyone was acting like he was just like gonna be for sure a slot for us, but I think they might have brought him back because of their time when. It wasn't when he was with Patricia, he was a outside cornerback for him. Yes. And so, I mean, 
I think that's they, that's at least part of their they're seeing that as a possibility. I'd I'm, love to, I'd love to see Armani Oarie, however you say his name, yeah. come up. Armani or yeah, Oarie to come up and show some you know some nice chops as a rookie would be exciting. I mean, there's some people out there that don't think. Um, Coleman's going to be a starting cornerback. He's going to be in the slot where he exe- where he excelled for the Seahawks, and that Rashawn Melvin is the front runner for the cornerback oh, on the I outside. Forgot about Melvin. Yeah, I mean the, the dude's really athletic, and maybe he just has been in the right defense. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I love the competition they're going to have for that second cornerback, though. I know you were a bigger Devin Lawson fan than me, but I'm kind of glad to not see him out there anymore at that second cornerback position. I'll be glad to not see him out there anymore when we have someone that proves they can do better than he did. Because <laughs> I, I, whatever you say, what you want about him, the guy was a, a gamer. He went out there and he fought. You know, he didn't win all the time, but he a lot of the time. Well, he won a lot of the time too. I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, he wasn't perfect, and and but he made plays, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. Guy was tough, hard nosed player. But I want to win a Super Bowl. I don't think you're winning a Super Bowl and having Lawson as your second cornerback. No, probably maybe depends on the rest <laughs> of the defense. Well, I mean, now that we're talking defensive backs, there's uh, yeah, we get to safety. Tease Tabor. Oh, Tabor. And apparently he's making plays in the offseason here. Now, granted, that means almost nothing in some aspects. It doesn't mean a lot to me because it's a new offensive coordinator and there's a lot of miscommunication probably going on in practice. And I that just usually what happens, at least from my experience, and I don't know about your experience in like training camp, is that defense usually dominates early on. Defense does normally dominate early on. But if he's making plays now, that shows he's got a better – instinct for the way things work now and the speed of the game i mean you well, i can, hope so you can make mistakes all the time but the cornerbacks still have to be in the right positions to take advantage of it so i mean true but you're right defense always picks up a little faster at the beginning of an off season but uh no i mean i'm i'm happy to hear i'm making plays I, i'm i'm not you know putting money on him or anything but i i, I hope he turns out to be prove he's worth more than he has been so and a guy that we um we kind of like near the end of last season just because he I mean he was an undrafted free agent and he he stood up and made some plays and late in the season on uh, Mike Ford and that he he showed some promise now we me with the whole off season and some preparation oh, Ford was that the guy we added right at the end of the season yeah he uh teased the board playing so badly that they yeah. signed an undrafted free agent and he started immediately he had a rough first game um and then after that, he settled down and was much better. Now, he, I mean, he was on and off good. Yeah. But he definitely uh, showed some potential to be in the right spot and make some plays. Well, that's a lot of cornerbacks already. <laughs> yeah, but I like that competition for that second one. It's going to be really exciting. And for the slot. I mean, it's gonna, those both those spots are wide open. Well, I wouldn't say – I. Well, Agnew, I would, don't even I would, forget about Agnew. Yeah, Jamal Agnew's back. If he can stay healthy, he was showing some real promise as a defensive back. Oh, yeah. And he's fast. he could be a difference maker. He is fast. So it'll be interesting to see him coming off his um, injury. I would say if he stays healthy, he's the, the lead for the slot. Oh, I would, I completely disagree. Justin Coleman's the lead for the slot no. right now. I, I mean, experience-wise, yes, but... 
with what Agnew was showing early last season was really promising before he went down with an inj- injury. And with his speed, his upside is is huge. I mean, I'm just saying, I think if he stays healthy, he wins the spot. Or at least rotates it. Yeah, he might rotate it, but there's no way um, you're well, paying for What's four- the difference between starting and rotating? I mean, they're the same thing. But there's no way you're paying four years, $36 million to Justin Coleman, and he's going to be not the starting either second cornerback or the slot defender. Yes, there is actually a way if someone on the team does better than him at the position. That, but that's 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 just not going to happen in this case. There's Why almost you, no chance. You In the NFL, you just don't pay that, a guy that much and not start him right away. You play him. You don't. You, I mean, yes, you start him right away. It's not like make his chops type thing. I'm the only like, instance I've really I'm not comparing like I'm not like it's not this isn't like Lee Bodden like you got to come to this team and prove yourself. This is more like I think that Agnew's just gonna outshine him and win the spot. I'm not. This isn't like that. I think Agnew's just gonna look like the better choice, and you got to go with the better player. But it won't even be. It won't even. It'll be almost inconsequential. They might even just keep him as the second guy because Coleman's the veteran. And then they rotate and they'll split snaps. I mean, because you're going to want Agnew on the field with his speed. He's like a weapon. Yeah, you're going to want him on the field with his speed. That's all I'm saying. I I just think, I think, my gut is telling me that Agnew will be a better player than Coleman this year. But that's that's really high praise for Jamal Agnew in a very limited amount of time that we've seen him play on the defense. If he stays healthy. We'll see. I, we'll see. I I I love your confidence in Javal Agnew. It's not, I don't know. You're definitely drinking blue Kool Aid over there. Damn for sure. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, <laughs> I I I think uh, Justin Coleman's definitely well, the guy. The obvious choice, yes. Um, the obvious choice for a good reason, in my opinion. Okay, we'll see what happens. That's what, that's what predictions are. <laughs> Um, so what about the safeties now too? Because that's well, we have a lot of cornerbacks in this competition. That just I thought we were talking about all defensive backs, and I realized we were only talking cornerbacks because <laughs> you got Diggs coming back. Yep, Diggs. We talked about Killebrew, Tracy Walker, uh, Tavon Wilson, Ooh, Charles exciting. Washington. Those are the uh, the big names, at least at safety. Well, and the the new boy, new kid. Uh, oh, Adams, Andrew Adams. He came from Tampa Bay. Oh, that guy too, but also the new kid, the Rook. Oh, Will Harris, Will Harris. Will Harris Sorry, yeah. yes, uh, I have him right here uh, from Boston College. I, ho- I hope he shows this kind of promise that Tracy Walker did last year. Because doesn't Will Harris kind of remind you of a Killebrew type? No. Kind of like a bigger, stronger safety that. Go play down in the box. No, I that's mean, what he kind of reminded me of. And he's what smaller, my, one of my, faster. My, my first thought was uh, when he was drafted, is that uh, Kilbrew's spot is in trouble. Um. Oh, I mean, I can see him playing a similar type role, but I don't see him as the same exact that type of player. Really, I see him. He's smaller. Will Harris is six two. Two ten. Is he that big? Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. And Miles Kilbrew is six two, two twenty two. 
if that's a, that's a little bit significant, but I mean, I don't think she was the same type of player, but I think that 12 pounds makes a bit of a difference, but, uh, a little bit, but not much. It's a pretty good amount of weight to have on somebody, 10 pounds, but, uh, no, I mean, I think he's more, he has more potential as a complete defensive back. I don't see him as like having to be in the box guy. He's got what? Four, four speed. Well, I, I think, I think Harris is definitely a special teams guy for certain. Well, I'm just start. talking about Will Harris taking Kilby's spot on the roster, essentially. Oh, well, yeah, when you put it that way. Yeah, I, we, you know, him and maybe all of them are kind of in a similar boat of, like, they're middling. Or like, well, he, I think he has a better chance just because he can be special teams now and he's a rookie, so they just signed him. But, like, I don't know. If Kilby shows up, maybe he can fight him off. But, yeah, I think you're right. I, I would say yes. They are in the same category of player to, as far as who might get cut. Yeah, no, I mean, Andrew Adams is kind of an exciting player because he's a, he's a ball hawk in the back. Uh, I, I think he had six interceptions in relatively limited playing time last year. It's intriguing. And that's in, in Tampa Bay who had no pass rush whatsoever. And then Detroit this year, I think we're going to get some more pass rush for certain. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I agree. 100. So, I mean, that mix is really exciting, along with Diggs uh, kind of taking the leadership role now of, of the safety group, at least. He's definitely... Uh, yeah, he's... The well, him or Tavon, Tavon Wilson's been around for a while, too. Yeah, so. but I, I, this feels a lot more like Diggs' secondary yeah, than I agree. Tavon Wilson's. I feel like Tavon Wilson, like, weren't they even considering not resigning him this year? Like, I think they were going in between, but they just, I mean, so decided I, to bring him back. I'm just saying, yeah, this is definitely more like Diggs. He's the leader. And this is Tracy Walker's year to uh, really step up and if he, if he continues the projections from last year, yeah, exactly. He has some really good ball skills. Some really yes. good ball skills. God damn it! That penalty, that holding penalty. Oh my god! Who got that penalty again? Was it Diggs? No. Or was it Quinn? Uh, I think it might have been Quinn. Oh man, who got that holding penalty? No, wait. It was on the tight end. Wasn't it a shed? Um, sheed shed. Whatever your name is. No, it was Diggs. It was Diggs. It I was just Diggs. looked it up. It was Diggs. Oh, yes. Idiot. I. Uh, but the holding penalty happened after the throw. I know it was so bad. All he had to do was not hold them, and the Lions win that game. Oh God. See, I hope. I think that's as they get more oriented on details under Patricia and get more, really like into every little detail and yeah. become perfectionist, you're going to see this team make a lot less mistakes like that. And that's hope. I mean, that disciplinarian type attitude he has in the offseason that rubs these reporters the wrong way, which is just ridiculous. But. I love how the reporters get all butthurt for like the players. Know. Like, oh my God, they have to sweat. <laughs> like,. <laughs> This is an outrage. That's ridiculous. I feel like this is like an example of like the media, like the political media, you know, how they get all crazy and find every new scandal to freak out about yeah. all moralized. Like that's like the sports media now. It's like we got to get like outraged about every little thing, even if it's not exactly political, but just, oh, he's changing something. He's basically Hitler. Yeah. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's ridiculous. He's making those poor men run. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> I mean, but I mean, our defense is really exciting. 
this year, and we'll we'll talk about them more as we get closer to training camp, things of that nature. But I mean, just the strides they made at the end of last season, and then these additions, it's really exciting. I, I mean, oh, here's a question: offense. Do you think Ty Johnson makes the team? Well, I think we talked about this uh, last week or two weeks ago, and and um. My opinion was that I do think he does just because he's so fast, and I think they'll find him as a returner. I Yeah, that would be nice to see him return kicks and then get in there on the offense. And then maybe, yeah, maybe a guy like 11, 12 times during the season, they throw a screen to or something like that to just – a team has the game plan for all week just with that speed and that possible breakout all right. type. Uh, running style. If he really is as fast as those forty times suggest, yeah. I, have you ever watched his college unofficial four two two? Have you watched his college film? Like, I have not. I've not. He's fast, but I'm not like sitting there like, wow, this is like the fastest man ever. Like, hmm. I don't know. I'm a little like, a little. Uh, what's the word? Uh, did you see his uh, returns for touchdowns? Yeah, I mean he's fast, like I said, but four two did not. I didn't see four two forty <laughs> speed running down the field. But uh, yeah, I was just because I was thinking about like that offense. This is not going to be like a very flashy offense. We don't have a lot of like. Uh, no, and that that kind of brings me up to one uh, thing I want to talk about is Darren Bevel this week. <laughs> Unless is is this where you're getting to? Um, kind of. Well, D- Darren Bevel this week kind of came out and said that he doesn't want his offense to be like other teams in the league. That he they want to go against the grain. They want to yeah. run the ball. Right. Especially in a league where everybody's spreading it out. I mean, look at the Arizona Cardinals, our week one opponent, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, the air raid offense uh, of Texas Tech, and just everybody's spreading out as much as possible yeah. and throwing the ball as much as possible. I, and then here we are, the Detroit Lions, saying we're going to run the ball uh, a lot. I mean, they're say they keep saying that maybe that's like a distraction. They're going to come out and just start <laughs> slinging it, like be the most spread offense ever. They'll just have all the tight ends and all the receivers on the field at every play and not even play carry on. I mean, the thing I have to say to that is why are not more teams – why is the thought around the league not more teams being this way? Because if we just saw the way the Patriots won the Super Bowl – I know. It's like – It was running the ball. It was pounding the rock. But more importantly, like the pounding the rock, yes. Like that is clearly the important part, but it was more importantly controlled – control the clock offense like in a time when everyone else was like just burning the fuse at both ends to burn down the field all the time and score and everyone else all these defenses are loosening up with like nickels and quarter and dime defenses where there's hardly any linebackers on the field like the Patriots are like oh you guys are all built to like stop these highfalutin (laughs) offenses we're just gonna run the ball down your throat and dink and dunk you to death until, you know, just execute until you're worn out. You know, like that's I love about the Patriots is they are the most adaptable team. And that's what I'm hoping the Lions are becoming. Like, it's not that they ground the football and like did all that because they just wanted to do that. It was a deep strategy they were enacting. That, yeah. That is just like, so that's what I think the. Everyone gets so hung up on these like fads and these flash in the pans, and I mean they're exciting and they're fun, but really it's your ability to account, you know. Because watch, well, they already figured out the Rams by the end of the year. 
like the Lions pretty much figured him out, and then the next couple teams kind of were tough on him. The Patriots obviously. So the the Patriots in their Super Bowl run, they ran the ball thirty four, forty eight, and thirty two times in the three games. So they averaged probably I don't know around thirty seven, thirty eight rushes uh, per game in the playoffs. Wow. And averaged about one hundred fifty yards rushing in those games. Like that's not even that impressive. <laughs> the yards are like are like oh cool, but like holy crap, like that's a lot of runs. <laughs> yeah, and, and and we kind of we mentioned it briefly on the podcast last week is that Matt Stafford. I mean, he's a really good play action passer. Yeah. UJ had mentioned that. Uh, I mean, was it a year or two ago? Uh, no, two years ago, where the Lions had. Well, I think they had the worst rushing offense in the league. <clears throat> and then Matt Stafford was like one or two in play action passing rating. Right. <clears throat> yeah, that was weird. So, I mean. Was that Lombardi year? No, no, no. This was uh, Jim Bob Cooter. His first year? Um, his year? first full year. year. His first full year. That's so weird how that worked. <laughs> it was it was uh, strange. And the Lions just missed the playoffs that year. That was when they lost to. uh. That was when they lost to the Bengals, I think, in the last game of the season. So that wasn't our great defensive year. That was the year after. Yes. Our great defensive year. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Stafford's really good at play action. and But that was the other thing I read uh, that Bevel was talking about is that uh, they're going to be big on stretching the field with Stafford's arm. That's going to be a focus. So, like. Obviously, they're going to run the ball and control the game and stuff, but they also want to use Stafford's arm strength to stretch the field. Is what yeah, I'm saying, which is exciting. They're going to have more vertical concepts, which I feel like we've gotten away from in recent years. Like when we were, you know, high flying off as a dropping ball. Well, actually, like last year, or not the one two years ago. When Marvin Jones was, you know, lighting up the yes. field and stuff, we were throwing a lot more deep. And then this last year, it was like, what even happened? Like, well, especially between Matt Stafford and Marvin uh, Jones, yeah, they the look like uh, was, yeah, they look like they didn't practice that often together. Oh. It was very weird their timing on those deep routes. Like from the very first play of the the season for Stafford, that first pass into like the left, I don't know, flat mm-hmm. on like a little post or whatever or uh, yeah a uh, flag route and he just overthrows them and you're like oh this is weird <laughs> well hopefully jim bob cooter finally being gone yes this would be the first time stafford has had a veteran offensive oh. coordinator since scott linehan like a guy that his first job isn't coaching matt stafford his first like offensive coordinator job and Derek bevel's been around the league a long time he's had a ton of top rushing offenses he I'm really excited by the prospects of Darren Bevel. I'll just too. keep saying it until the season starts. So I'm so excited because one thing I like about him too is he's he showed he's shown like adapt adaptability mm-hmm. throughout his career. He's run he hasn't always run the same kind of offense. He runs things based on the players he has. Yeah, I, mean, I'm, I just feel so stupid for not even considering him because he had been out of football for a year and his name wasn't popping up on any list. I mean, right now it looks like a masterstroke to get him. I think he's like exactly the type of guy we want. Like, he's I agree. Come in and, and be able to call good, effective plays and set up, you know, play a bigger game, play the long mm-hmm. game a little bit, set up plays down the road where 
Jim Bob Cooter, I don't think he knew what the hell that meant. Like, he, I think he was the kind of guy that, uh, you know, like goes on Madden and, and thinks if you just run like a a fake pitch right and it works, it'll keep working. And then next thing you run the fake pitch left and it'll trick yeah. everybody. You know, I don't know. Like, he just had no instinct for calling a game. No, I agree. I definitely agree with that. And I, and just one more thing I want to add about Darren Bevel and just the fact – I think it's really cool. The Lions now have a defensive coordinator, Patricia, quote-unquote. <laughs> it's technically uh, Pascarelli, but it's really Matt Patricia. And then – I don't know. So go that far. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's definitely Matt Patricia. I don't think he's going to – Paul Pescaloni is like, uh, you know – a defensive advisor more so, and maybe a guy that makes the call on the field to the linebacker, but it's all going through Matt Patricia. So you, Patricia's going to call the defense? He's calling the defense, you bet it. Oh, well, then he's the defense coordinator. Do, I mean, don't you think Don't you think that's what's going on in the sideline? We don't have you know any confirmation, but... I don't know. I, I don't know if he micromanages like that. I think he... Does but when, call but when we see Patricia on the sideline, it's always talking to the defense. He's talking to the players because he knows best how to tell them what he yeah. sees. But that's not the same thing as calling the players. But he's he's gonna run this. He's gonna run it like Belichick. Like you don't think Belichick's calling the defense? Does Belichick call his defense? Be- Belichick calls the defense in New England. Oh, but fine. I, well, I'm just saying. Well, so, quote unquote, Matt Patricia. A defense coordinator who's won a Super Bowl, and now we have an offensive Wait, coordinator who's also won a so Super Patricia Bowl. So Patricia didn't call the defense in in, uh, in New England. New England. Um, I I don't know. I I feel like that doesn't when he, sound right because I feel like why he got a lot of credit for that defense. You don't get that much credit when you're not even calling the plays. It's hard. It would be hard to believe that Belichick is not calling a lot of those plays though. At the same time, I, why? Why? Because the guy is known for calling defenses and building defenses up. Hmm. Okay. But, I mean, he's known for building good offenses, too. Belichick? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess so. his offense is always effective, and his O-lines I th- like, reload. Like I think he's known for more of an philo- offensive philosophy of running the ball and balance, and more than so than to call in the actual plays. That's why Josh McDaniels, when he came back, the offense picked up immensely. But isn't that kind of what he, he kind of his philosophies are just kind of the his guiding principles seem to be along the lines of like vague philosophies like general like sort of fluid things like on both sides of the ball the ability to just adjust to whatever the circumstances seems to be the guiding principle adaptability well that too yeah I mean more than anything else like the running the football like they say like they that's fine they'll run the football all, all day if they can but if it's calls for passing. They'll pass the ball all day. You know, like they're that kind of team. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. But I. That's weird. If if Patricia wasn't calling the defense, now does he call some plays? I could see that. Like I would be surprised if he calls the whole. That's defense. true. Maybe that. Maybe that's more. I mean, but fair. that's the coach's. That's the head coach's right. He can step in at any time and call whatever he wants. Yeah, he's the head coach. So I don't know. Like I said, he could be calling them, but. I don't he might not prefer to micromanage his guys and let them all do their jobs while he focuses on the big picture. That's true. I, that's like it's all all what coaching preference and things, and we don't get the behind the scenes unless we get hard knocks, as please. Hmm. Um, Are you listen to HBO Hard Knocks for <laughs> Detroit Lions, right? Here? Oh God, I I don't think they're gonna get it. I hope they it's gonna be it. the Raiders or Forty ers or Redskins before the Lions. 
No. Um, but anyways, just to my point again, the fact that the Lions have now a head coach and an offense coordinator who have both won a Super Bowl, and I just think that's really exciting. And two guys have faced off each other in another well, Super Bowl. I just hope they can win one this year. They're they're going to. Is there? Any, do you have doubt? No. Okay, just making sure. You know, <laughs> make sure you're drinking that blue Kool Aid still. Oh yeah. Um, one one more uh, player I wanted to bring up really quick. Uh, Bob had brought him up in our uh, chat. Uh, a text thread is the Isaac Nada. I, I I didn't get a chance to watch his um, highlight film yet, but you did. And just what are some of your uh, observations? I mean, he looked like a good, solid, athletic tight end. Looked almost actually more like a big receiver to me. But he also wore eight wore eighteen, so that could be like a a weird slimming effect. I don't know. But he looked like a bigger, <laughs> like a just a, a a larger receiver. Um, his highlight film wasn't much blocking or anything. It was all going out for routes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, from what I've read, he's very sure handed. He, well, uh, the tight ends coach for the Lions was just saying that he thinks he was the best hands in the draft for tight ends. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, he looked like the kind of guy that if he had run, you know, closer to like a four seven, he probably would have got drafted higher quite a bit because he was a, just a good weapon. The athletic got open a lot. Yeah. And he got open a lot against, like, you know, Florida, Alabama, like the SEC yeah. elite defenses. So, I mean, obviously the guy's got something. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's exciting. The Lions tight ends, man. Yeah, that room is The exciting. most boring group last year and most disappointing now has become possibly the most exciting position on the I want to like re-revolutionize the re-revolution. I guess it's just a revolution, but anyway, revolutionize the position again. Like, but like, because you know how like how the Patriots did it. Like they had uh, their big year was Gronk and that Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Is it like too soon to say his name? You could say his name. Okay, <laughs> he uh, he played football. So okay, sad story there. Or weird anyway. Um. Like, they got all, like, creative with their tight ends and were doing things that, like, mm-hmm. people really hadn't seen before. Yeah. I mean, we have some unique talents in the room really there. So, like, it'll be interesting to see what they want, like, and who – because, like, they could have potentially, assuming, like, Roberts steps up and proves – and stays healthy, like, three oh, boy. dual threat tight ends. Or they hopefully, can, hopefully, my, Michael Roberts can step up in some. Regard. I mean, he showed flashes when he was healthy. I like the idea of three tight ends set in, uh, in the red zone with those three on That's the field. That's saying. exciting. All big dudes who can block or go for a pass. And like, don't forget, Taylor Decker can go out for a pass. But right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah, we know that now. Um, but like then you got that Logan Thomas who's intriguing because he was a quarterback and now he's mm-hmm. a tight end and how that athletic ability converts and he's big real tall what, like six seven and yeah. then uh where's one more who am i forgetting tight end i got oh hawkinson and Jesse yeah james DJ, hawkinson yeah. Jesse, and james yeah those two those two are the most exciting obviously especially hawk like i really hope he proves why they drafted him there but i think he will i really think he will <laughs> I'm just curious to see how he does. Like, I just have no idea. <laughs> I'm just like weird being excited about a tight end. Yeah, 
I want to see him pancake some guys. I like he like he did in his college film often. Yes, I mean, he's got a good motor. Uh, th- those blocks are more of like just having a good motor and just continuing to just stay on your guy all the True. way through. Well, that's what blocking is. A lot of mm-hmm. people like it's not like it's about quick feet. Like quick feet generate more force than anything. I mean, yeah. So I mean, that's what you got to have, and he does, and he runs them all the way through. No, I agree, and we're gonna. I think we've ran all the way through our podcast here tonight as well. Oh, hey, oh, um. So I mean, th- th- this is gonna wrap up our uh, podcast here, um, for this week, and we just want to thank everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed thank this you. better sound quality here. We we're recording it locally, which is always nice opportunity, and hopefully we'll have better sound quality going forward. Actually, I think we've worked out some of the bugs. So fingers crossed, but we, I mean, we just really want to thank Bugs everybody. Are a lot for, stronger mm-hmm. now that we've worked them out, so yeah, really watch them. Uh, y- oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> but I'm t- uh, here all week, folks. Um, this thank you everybody for listening. Uh, the 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 fan base has been great. Um, I think I think we we got to get a social media account going soon too as well. So we'll we'll let you know about that. We'll, we're setting it up. Well, we want, we just want to make it entertaining for everybody that listens and follows as we continue to grow in listeners and enthusiasm as the Lions season is starting to ramp up here. Um, it's June is right around the corner. That means summer's right around the corner. That means training camp's right around the corner. Ooh, and that means September is always here before you know it. I mean, it, it comes in the blink of an eye. It really does. But thank you, everybody, Not for listening. We hope you had a great Memorial Day, and we're hoping you're off to a great start to your summer. And Rudd Dog, last but not least, as always, Go Lions! Forward down the field, a charging team that will not yield. And when the blue and silver wave, Stand and cheer the brave, rock, 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 go hard, win the game, with honor you will keep your fame, down the field and gain, a Lions victory!